Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean, your host. Website can be found at www.scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives, and that's where you go to support this mission of truth. Well, we're looking for some wisdom and some encouragement to start our week. We're going to be looking at Psalm 116. We're going to be looking at the book of Jude, which is very short, and the first chapter of Enoch, uh, which is just appropriate to read when we're looking at Jude, which if you don't already know why, uh, you will know by the end of this broadcast. We're going to look at Psalm 116 first, and we're going to read some commentary from Matthew Henry that I think you're going to uh, really appreciate in light of what the psalm says. And so like every week, the goal this week is to just get you started off in the right way, to get you thinking in the right way, starting in the right way with some wisdom, some encouragement, and I pray that you'll be blessed by this broadcast this morning. Let's go ahead and dig right in. King James Bible, looking at Psalm 116, we have 19 verses here. I love the Lord, because he hath heard my voice and my supplication. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death can pass to me, and the pains of hell got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord, and righteous, yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, where the Lord hath dealt bountifully with me. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore I have spoken. I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, All men are liars. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits towards me? I will take the cup of salvation, and I call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly am I thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thy handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. I will offer to thee the sacrifices of thanksgiving and I will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem, praise ye the Lord. And that is Psalm 116. It is a beautiful, beautiful psalm. So much. He says, what should I render unto the Lord for all the benefits towards me? Like, what could I possibly give back? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Verse 15 is the one I want to zero in on. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. The psalm is saying that 
God's not willy-nilly about that. He's paying attention about that. It matters to him. The death of his saints and how that comes about. And how that is handled. Let me look at some commentary from Matthew Henry on this subject. I think you'll appreciate it. He says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. So precious, he will not gratify soul, Saul, nor Absalom, nor any of David's enemies with his death. How earnestly soever they desire it. This truth David had comforted himself with in the depth of his distress, distress, distress and danger, and in the event having confirmed it, he comforts others with it who might be in like manner exposed. God has a people, even in this world, that are his saints, his merciful ones, or men of mercy that have received mercy from him and show mercy for his sake. The saints of God are mortal and dying. Nay, they are those that desire their death and labor all they can to hasten it and sometimes prevail to be the death of them. But it is precious in the sight of the Lord. Their life is so and he quotes 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 13, which says, And he sent again a captain of the third fifty with his fifty. And the third captain of fifty went up, and came and fell on his knees before Elijah, and besought him and said unto him, O man of God, I pray thee, let my life and the life of these fifty men, and the life of these fifty thy servants be precious in thy sight. Their blood is so. Look at Psalm 72, 14. He shall redeem their soul from deceit and violence. And precious shall their blood be in his sight. God often wonderfully prevents the death of his saints when there is but a step between them and it. He takes special care about their death to order it for the best in all the circumstances of it. And whoever kills them how light soever they may make of it, they shall be made to pay dearly for it when inquisition is made for the blood of the saints. Look at Matthew 23, verse 35. Jesus says that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, from the blood of the righteous of Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Barachus, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Though no man lays it to heart when the righteous perish, God will make it to appear that he lays it to heart. This should make us willing to die, die for Christ, if we are called to do it, that our death shall be registered in heaven. And let that be precious to us, which is so to God. I like that last little bit that uh, Matthew Henry says. He says that no man lays it to heart when the righteous perish. God will make it appear that he lays it to heart. Let's move on now. We're going to check out the book of Jude here. The epistle of Jude. Very, very short. 25 verses, but chock full of goodness. It's also the last uh, epistle before the book of Revelation. And I think it's fitting that it is so. Let's have a look at the book of Jude this morning. King James Bible. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, 
to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Please note, this is nothing... This thing that Jude is dealing with, we deal with today. There's people that come in and they perverse, they pervert the grace of God. That's what James is saying. He's saying, there, there, For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 5, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Judah's pointing out just how important proper faith is. He's like, do I need to remind you that the very people he rescued out of Egypt, he destroyed in the wilderness for their lack of faith? Verse 6, and the angels, listen to this, where's he getting this information? And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. What angels is he talking about? Well, based on the things that he's saying and referencing, he's talking about the falling angels during the time of Jared just before the time of Noah that came down. We talked about this last week. And had relations with women. The book of Enoch talks about how they're bound up. Peter talks about how they're chained up and bound up for judgment for that sin. Jude says it. And yet, so many are so ignorant about this subject. Let me read that again. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved into everlasting chains under darkness unto judgment of the great day. Verse 7. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving in themselves to, over to fornication. You know, sometimes people try to make Sodom and Gomorrah and they say, oh, it had nothing to do with sexual immorality. What does Jude say? like manner, giving themselves over to fornication. By the way, fornication is a form of sexual immorality, right? He says, in like manner. In like manner to what? Well, the verses he just spoke about in verse 6, talking about the angels who didn't keep their habitation. Jude is making it very clear that Genesis 6 is exact, talking exactly about what it sounds like it's talking about. So don't let any of these uh, professors and uh, professors of theology and preachers come in and try to tell you that, oh, it's just talking about the sons of Seth. It has nothing to do with fallen angels. No, Peter says that's exactly what it's talking about. Jude says that's exactly what it's talking about. 
Sorry, I'm going on a rant. Can I just read verse 6 and 7 again, please? And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. Jude is bringing out all the guns, isn't he? I mean, he is just pointing out all kinds of things that make you go, hmm. We can explain 6 and 7 pretty easily. It's very difficult to figure out what verse 9 is talking about and what he's referring to as far as this dispute between Michael the archangel and the devil over Moses' body. Some say it comes out of a book called The Ascension of Moses, which I happen to own. I've read through it and read through it and I can't find this information. Maybe I'm missing it in there doesn't matter. point is, as Jude said, it happened. And of course, it raises all kinds of questions, questions I don't have the answer to, which is, I mean, we can all speculate, right? But we don't have hard ev biblical evidence of why this dispute's happening and why Satan wants Moses' body to begin with. But anyway, that's not what, that's not what I think Jude wants us, to talk, wants us to think about. He's talking about apostate teachers. Verse 10, But these speak... Of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beast, and those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone the way of Cain, and ran greedily after the error of Balaam, for reward, and perished in nain saying of Kor. Listen, you have false teachers who come in. Okay? They turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. They have gone the way of Cain. In other words, he's saying they have ran towards greed. They're like the prophet Balaam who basically sold out for money. For reward and perished in name saying of Kor. Verse 12, these are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth without fruit twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of sea foaming out of their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. I mean, listen to Jude. He has nothing nice to say about apostate teachers. I mean, he is just laying it out there, calling them out. Verse 14. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these things, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all, and to convince all that are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and all of their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against them, against him. Okay, Jude's saying, uh, here's the prophecy of Enoch. Well, where is he getting that prophecy? 
Well, we're going to read it here in just a minute out of Enoch chapter 1. Verse 16, these are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time, who should walk after their own lust, own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the Spirit. He's reminding us there will be mockers in the last day. Why? They're walking after their own lust. Verse 20. But ye. We're switching gears now. Now James is addressing the saints. He spent most of the book talking about apostasy and teachers of apostasy and how they're mockers and scoffers and liars and whatnot. And now he's talking to you. But ye. Beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some, having compassion, making a difference. And others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hastening even the garments, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Listen, verse 23. Next time somebody complains, oh, that preacher just always preaches hell, fire, and brimstone. Well, sometimes that's what's necessary to get people to come out of their stupor, to come out of their somber, and pay attention, and get on their face before God. That's what James is saying. He says, in some having compassion making a difference, you know, sometimes it's the love and compassion you show a person that brings them to the faith, but sometimes others, he says, save with fear pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. That's a beautiful line. Verse 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Listen, friends, you can't do that. You can't present yourself spotless before God. And if you think you can, you've lied to yourself. You've deceived yourself. And you need to get back on your face and understand how it is that you are brought before the Father blameless. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion, power, both now and forever. Amen. The book of Jude is powerful, and yet so often overlooked. It's, I mean, when we're talking about eschatology, the study of end, th end times, the study of end of days, Jude should be at the top of our list. Now, let's go back to Enoch. Jude says, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these things, of these, saying, and then he quotes Enoch. He's getting it from the book of Enoch, obviously, because this isn't found anywhere else in the Bible. So let's have a look. 
we're going to read Enoch 1, which is only like 9 or 10 verses. And as we read it, you will find and hear the words quoted by Jude. Enoch 1. The words of the blessing of Enoch, wherewith he blessed the elect and righteous, who will be living in the day of tribulation, when all the wicked and godless are to be removed. Something important to note is the scriptures talk about how the angels will come and they will gather the wicked and bind them up and throw them into the fire. Same thing that Enoch's saying. He's saying, hey, during the tribulation, the wicked will be removed from the earth. He took upon his parable and he said, Enoch, a righteous man whose eyes were opened by God, saw the vision of the Holy One in the heavens, which the angel showed me. From them I heard everything, and from them I understood as I saw. But not for this generation, the one when he's writing this book, right? But for a remote one which is for to come. Friends, I'm convinced that the reason the book of Enoch has become so prominent now, even though it was in the Ethiopic Bible forever, uh, but it was rediscovered with the Dead Sea Scrolls, it is spot on with what was in the Ethiopic Bible to begin with. The reason why it's more prominent now is because I believe this is the generation it's for. Could I be wrong? Sure. But he says it's not for this generation, but for a remote one which is to come. Verse 3, Concerning the elect I said, and took up my parable concerning them. The Holy Great One will come forth from his dwelling, and the eternal God will tread upon the earth, even on Mount Sinai, and appear from his camp, and appear in the strength of his might from heaven of heavens. And he shall be smitten with fear, and the watchers shall quake. The watchers are those angels that Jude and Peter refer to as being bound up for the time of judgment. A great fear and trembling shall seize them unto the ends of the earth. And the high mountains shall be shaken, and the high hills shall be made low, and shall melt like wax before the flame. What does Peter talk about? He talks about how everything's going to be consumed. It's going to burn up all the elements, right? The earth shall be wholly rent and sunder. And all that is upon the earth shall perish, and there shall be a judgment upon all men. But with the righteous he will make peace, and he will protect the elect. And mercy shall be upon them, and they shall belong to God, and they shall be prospered, and they shall be blessed, and he will help them all. And light shall appear unto them, and he will make peace with them. And behold, here's exactly the quote that Judas quoting from when he said, Enoch prophesied. Behold, verse 9, he cometh with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to destroy all the ungodly and to convict all flesh of all the words of their ungodliness which they have ungodly committed and of all the hard things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Well, that is our study for this week. Uh, pretty interesting one to start the week, if I must say so myself. And so I pray that you've been blessed, that you've been lifted up, that you're not weary and cast down about everything going on. Cast your eyes upon Him. Cast your eyes upon eternity. This world is passing away, friends. The Lord is going to come out of His place 
and judge the inhabitants of the earth. But those of us who are his saints, our blood, our death, all of it's precious in his sight, and he has control over it. I pray you've been blessed this morning. Peace and grace be with all of you, and until next time, God bless.